Peace, good people. Peace. Fee, how you feeling today? Feeling like I'm trying to get grounded. Okay. That's... How are you feeling? I'm feeling grateful to be here. Mm. I learn every time I come. Mm. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Soul Affirmations with Felicia and Kariga. With Kariga and Felicia. And most importantly, you, the listener on the Black Love Podcast Network. <laughs> hey. Where are we at today, Fee? So if you have your Soul Affirmations text the one that is a toolkit for reflection and manifesting the light within, and you turn to page 28, you will find that it reads, life is not just something happening around me. Life is something happening inside of me. And today I will take time to explore what that means. Mm. I want to like first begin with that first portion of this affirmation. Life is not just something happening around me. Mm. Life is something happening inside of me. Mm. Like, yes, we know that we are living experience that is life. Our bodies are alive, but all depending on what the day calls or what it presents, Mm -hmm. it can get hard to differentiate the two. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Our relationships, our communication, our deadlines, our goals, timeline, you know, just Mm -hmm. that I have to do this by then to get ready for this. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel very external. And I just want to make room for my experience with that and for anybody else who may experience it similarly. Mm. But it is true. Life is something happening inside of us. Mm. And there's power there when we can be present there. Yeah. Although I acknowledge sometimes it can be hard to get there. Right? Yeah. Especially in the experience of grief. Yes. I acknowledge that in the early onset of grief, it can feel like a time bend. Mm-hmm. Everything is happening and not happening all at the same time. Mm. And somewhere along the journey of all these things occurring, you find yourself at the one month, three month, eighth month anniversary, mm. the year mm-hmm. of the date your life changed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second year. And somewhere in that journey, it feels like the grief isn't just the loss you experienced, but it can sometimes feel like the grief is how you used to perform in spaces, mm-hmm. how you used to do things, because you're trying to find your footing in the world. And sometimes it can be frustrating to know that you used to be able to make a certain type of step <laughs> and you don't have that function, that strength, that mobility, that agility yeah. that life calls for. So you have to take your time. But it's like, how much time do I take? How much time do I experience? How much time do I have before the world's expectations of me impact my expectations of myself? Mm. And it feels challenging to find your grounding there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I want to investigate that experience, mm-hmm. that dynamic mm-hmm. of how long do I have before the world's expectations of me impact my expectations of myself. Wow. As I'm listening to you recount what you and I feel like have investigated very thoroughly mm-hmm. in the time that we had mm-hmm. to explore our grief, I also just want to acknowledge and really hold space for and gratitude for your ability to be able to recount that so well. Mm. I think so often with me, what can happen as time moves in the way that it does and life starts happening around you again, I have trouble recounting some of those very detailed, intimate experiences of grief that later become the knowings. Mm. 
Mm. right? The things that need to be rehearsed. I'm listening to you and I'm remembering some of that feeling, what that felt like. Mm -hmm. Some of the waking up and trying to figure out like, what is next? Mm -hmm. And also not wanting anything to be next except for what was previously. And not wanting anything to be next except for what was previously. Mm -hmm. That's just such a very clear statement in which I remember time challenging that desire. Bro, I look at you with raised eyebrows like. You mind if I write that down really quickly? If you can, please. Let's note it. And I really love that we get to do that. I, I love that we get to explore this even further and exploring it today differently than we did previously. Mm-hmm. But it's all still a part of the the process of grief. Like it is not a mm-hmm. final destination place. This is something that will be changing and ongoing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just even in like in the loss. It's even like with self. Yeah. Like what we're talking about right now is is really almost just it's the grieving of the person that you once were. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As you experience that that loss, whatever that loss may look like. And just trying to understand like, well, one, what could be next? What's the expectation of me of what's next? The perceived expectation from others. Go Can ahead. you talk about that perceived expectation from others and what we expect of ourselves? Mm-hmm. Please. I want to take us back to a time. Maybe not as early as high school. That's just a freestyle. Mm. Let's take it to undergrad. Okay. And you have these different degrees, different studies, and these different goals. You want to hear from a law school by this time. You want to hear from a grad school by this time. Come on, right? You want to have a job offer by this time. Sorry. <laughs> you want to have a boo by this time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a real That's, that's, the, a, real, that's a real That's one, a real though, pressure. Right? right? So you think... But there are all these indicators of what's next or if you are on pace with what is next. And a few years after graduating, you realize it's all a farce. It's all a farce. Maybe not so much as one or two years out, but let's just take it like 10 years out. There's so much time that has happened in those 10 years of life and living in relationships that how well somebody was performing coming out of their undergraduate experience doesn't matter. What jobs they had offered doesn't matter. That's if they found out that they loved that position, right? Or if they didn't (laughs) desire a different type of freedom. Yeah. Law school, med school, those things just, they they start to matter less when you get into the next chapter of life. That was so, it's so clear that that undergraduate experience would not define you or define your life outcomes. Mm. But in the undergraduate experience, it's everything. Yeah. It's what you come home and tell to your parents and, (laughs) you know, your peers and your elders and you give them a report on what's happening. Right. And Mm -hmm. these things mean that things are going well Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with life, Mm. just a career path. Mm. But we're given four years to do that work and figure out that work for some five. I know some sixers. Hey, more power to them because many of them figured out more about themselves that was necessary to move on the next level Mm -hmm. than somebody who got in and got out. I ain't lying on that. But we're given that time before we even have to know what's next. We're working on what's next. Yeah. And that's a degree in a specialized study. Yeah. But it seems to me that grief as a life defining experience is almost accelerated into, you know, back to life, back to reality. When grief is life, grief is reality. Right. And to get to the point of the affirmation that asks, life is something happening inside of me. Yeah. Well, all of these things can be true. It's like biology. It's like chemistry. Yeah. There are multiple things happening inside the body at once for it to have its optimal function, right? Yeah. You need the 
endoplasmic reticulum to transport things, right? Your <laughs> cardiovascular system, like all these things, but they're working together at once. It's not just one simple structure. Mm -hmm. I'm finding that grief is a part of life that is much like the body. It is mm. complex. It is beautiful. It is profound. It is strong. It is enduring. It is not only sadness, mm -hmm. but that's if we are given the opportunity to investigate it for all it's worth. Mm -hmm. And it just gives me present grounding to know that I don't have to define what is next. I've learned from the time where I didn't want anything to be next, that time was going to give me a next, whether I wanted it or not. Come on, man. You ain't lying. So this is less of a invitation to what is next and an invitation rather to be present. <sighs> That's where I find the power. That's where I find the utility. That's where I find the most from my life happening inside of me. Mm. when I'm present mm. and grief taught me in the beginning to look within and then the noise cancellation sometimes goes away and all the noise from outside tries to make you look the other way again and it is okay to be community minded it is okay to take a gaze around you and widen your gaze and see the conditional living of people around you and what's happening around you and who are who else is experiencing grief and who's feeling alone and who is overcoming and who's challenged it, it's okay mm -hmm. to have a gaze of what's happening around you but you mustn't take that noise and what's happening around you and cause that to impact how well you know what's happening inside of you mm -hmm. remember the knowing Just remembering. in fact those moments are the opportunities that we need to rehearse the knowings mm -hmm. you wouldn't rehearse them otherwise and i say that to say like in my experience with grief when feeling like the depths of it and when the weight of it feels mostly like sadness and the onset mm -hmm. Sometimes for me, reprieve looked like looking around mm -hmm. and trying to re-engage with a version of myself that once was, right? Mm -hmm. And that version of myself is still me. And so it's, I think it's very natural to want to do that. Mm -hmm. But when doing that, that outside noise can start to look like I want that again. Does mm -hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hope I'm saying this as clearly as I, I possibly can. So bear with me, but I recognize that for me in those moments when I am trying to find my reprieve, that's okay. Uh, but it also is an invitation for me to remember what I've learned. Because what do you know until you have encountered the test of life? That right? part. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I can know it here in our compound yeah. of peace, the sanctuary of love, yeah. the plants around us, yeah. the sunlight, the photos, right? They can kind of help you yeah. remember and how is it that you experience when you have a second born child and they require you to go and move and do and be and engage differently? Right. And so then you remember parts of yourself that used to move like this and you remember the families that were around us when we were experiencing it. We remember the families that were pregnant with us while we were pregnant with Kamayu and now Kamali's here and they she plays with, you know, her cousins. And so I get it. I get it because that's OK, too. But when we talk about rehearsing the knowings, it brings me to this intersection of analogy and truth. When I think about rehearsing in the context of music, it defeats the process of creativity to rehearse the exact same way. Mm. Creativity is in the present moment and you rehearse, you have structure, but you leave room to learn, grow, expand the show, improvise a new break, a new rhythm. You find these things in not trying to produce the same show over and over again. So rehearsal for this date or this tour might look different than the next time. Mm -hmm. One, life creates new music every day. Mm -hmm. 
So the rehearsing doesn't always look the same. That's why you have to rehearse regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because conditions will change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A certain musician may not be able to make a gig. So <laughs> you have to rehearse what it looks like for them not to be in on the gig. Yeah. And that's just music. I also heard us use the language of practice these knowings. And practice in the world that I know it in first, right? First practice for me was sports. And each practice, you might have a few set plays you have to know for the offense, but then they're going to be, the drills are going to be different because you have to develop different skills. Coach is going to implement a different type of defense against you or make, you know, the outcome a little more difficult to achieve. And by this, they're scaffolding the level of difficulty. So you have mastery in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. So when I think about to rehearse the knowings or practice the knowings, it makes sense to come back to it at this time and examine how well we know them when the game of life changes, when it's outside these doors, when we are growing to who Kamali requires us to, being developed by who Kamayu required us to be, mm-hmm. mitigated by the way we show up in our community, in our family, the work we do, the spaces we hold, the art we create. It's like, you know, you don't know until you get onto the testing field. And yes, every day is a test, but this is a different level of test right now. So I don't usually provide an analogy. I have a enough time trying to just articulate exactly what I mean. <laughs> and as I'm sitting listening to you break it down so clearly and applicable to everyday life and how we experience this grief, the one analogy that I had as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, I really want to hear it. Let's make room. <laughs> because I don't have all the vocabulary for it. It's because I don't remember it all. But here's, isn't here that it is. Okay? And it is okay. Thank you. So here it is. Do you remember in high school in algebra and you learn different rules mm-hmm. that apply to a problem? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In my class, they were called, I can't remember the exact name of it, but The lesson would look like this. You would come in, our teacher would give us a problem, teach us how to attack this particular problem, right? Mm -hmm. Through a set of algebraic rules. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved being able to figure out how to solve this math problem according to the rules. I have everything I need here. I have the rules in it. It tells me exactly how to attack it, right? Mm -hmm. And throughout the week, we have the same rules, but the problem changes, Mm-hmm. And you have to approach that same problem with the same set of rules. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking of it in that same way where I have these knowings, but the problem changes each day. Yeah. And I have to be able to take these knowings and apply it to this problem and solve it. Right now, I don't want to say like life is something that has to be like solved. You solve for a particular answer. But I guess the point of my analogy is that there are rules, right? There are these knowings. Uh-huh. And each day you can rehearse your knowings amidst the changes. Mm-hmm. But it's an opportunity for you to fully and understand the knowings. Absolutely. And it's like at the end of the week, that problem would change to such a varying degree from yeah. where it started. The knowing is the constant. But that was the constant. The day is the variable. Yes. And you apply the knowings through the variability of each day. We learn grace. Mm-hmm. I want to point out something really quickly, y'all. Whatever's in Felicia's head is in her head because that was a great analogy. It turned out to be a really good story. I remembered my algebra teacher as you were saying this. So you did a really good job. P-O-W, at- that's what it was. P-O-W's. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. You sure that wasn't problem of the week? 
I think that was problem of the week. It wasn't actually a war term. No I just, POW, a prisoner of war. Yeah, I know, I know, I know what that is. But now that I'm thinking about it, you told me that you had a math problem on the board, and it would be a certain type, and then you have okay. to apply those rules. Yeah, Man, that was problem come on, of the week. Come on, just give me my analogy compliment. I was trying to, and then you just tried to like take it right from under my feet. So you did a really good job of bringing me back into algebra. Did a really good job of bringing me back to that time of my life where there was so much uncertainty. Mm. And your analogy was very clear and i even love how toward the end of the analogy you made it very clear that you're not saying like there are rules and you have to solve for life you opened it up to the complexity of what the original problem presented but the analogy brought us in a good space so thank you i think you're getting really good in your storytelling and (laughs) your analogies that's a real compliment thank you i know it sounds funny you all heard it Uh uh-huh if i think about life from the high school perspective to now one i'm tripping because you are actually included in my high school memories yeah, man. That's crazy. So much of life has changed. I've experienced so much loss. I've experienced so much newness. Mm. I've experienced uncertainty. I've experienced moving according to a calendar and sticking to that calendar and achieving what was ever at the end of that goal of that calendar. Like I've lived in so many metrics and all the spaces. I, I do remember I loved one of my sociology classes. I loved it. I went there to engage. I loved it. But this is probably some of the most satisfying self-work I've gotten to do Mm. in a long time. I had all these exterior goals, ideas of achievement, what I think the reward for said achievement should look like, feel like. And I admire the way those times shaped my thinking, my writing, my expression. But this chapter of my life of self-work is probably the most satisfying. And it was brought to me by one of the most dissatisfying experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that I would prefer to go to the version of me that did not know these things in order to have what I thought would be. Mm. But it isn't so. Time shows me that. So I'm reminded to be in the present for all the past has taught me. The present is the only place I get to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. The only place I can appreciate what the past has taught me is in the present. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Mm -hmm. But I do know that my past is beautiful it's challenging, but it reveals so much of my gifting through and through. Come and, on, man. and I don't know if everybody has the privilege to be able to sit and examine their lived experiences and their grief the way we do. But that is largely in part why we're so grateful to do this in community and to do it in community under the practice of black love, because we recognize how often folks that come from where we come from and grew up how we grew up, they don't get these conversations. So I'm really hoping that this episode Makes it back to South Sac. Straight up. <laughs> I'll close with our affirmation again, just as a reminder, as we're talking about reminders and rehearsal. Life is not just something happening around me. Life is something happening inside of me. And today, in this present moment, mm-hmm. I will take time to explore what that means. Wow. It is my deepest desire that you create the conditions to explore what it means. Mm-hmm. for you today today fee thank you and thank you all for tuning in to another episode of soul affirmations with felicia and kariga with kariga and felicia and you the listener on the black love podcast network thank you for taking this journey with us today thank you to our executive producers cody and tommy oliver thank you to our producer crystal hill our editor masu mclemore and make sure you tune in to this all new season of black love because it's popping it's good y'all <laughs> it's good it's real good <laughs> It's like sparkling water good. (laughs)
get you, you know, get you, get you an adult bedtime snack. <laughs> Shut up, freaking peace. peace.